Oh hey, I'm glad you're here. This is another bonus episode. In the event that this is your first VHS, normally each episode is about a film and the guest has the profession portrayed in the film. For the VHS Presents New Releases and Late Returns format, we shout out current favorites, that's new releases, and take a look back at a forgotten gem. That's the late return. This episode is a real treat, as Sean Robert is one of my favorite people that I've met through the podcast. Talk about a guy who's kind, funny, and a passionate person. A wonderful collector. Uh, my friend JL told me about Sean's podcast and website, Branded in the 80s. You should check it out. It's totally rad. Can't tell, but I'm doing like cool... 80s hand gestures. Uh, and this might be the most laughter in the late return section as you're about to hear two people who really enjoyed this film. So let's just jump right into it. Here's another bonus VHS presents new releases and late returns. Hello, and welcome to VHS presents new releases and late returns. That's right, it's time for another of our bonus episodes where we first celebrate everything that we are currently enjoying from the world of entertainment and then take a look back at a forgotten gem. I'm your host, Dirk Marshall, and as always, I implore you to find us on Twitter and Instagram at VHUS underscore podcast. That's VHUS underscore podcast. I love getting movie recommendations and hearing your thoughts and experiences with the episodes. And please feel free to rate and review wherever you listen. I, that's greatly appreciated. My guest is Sean Robert. Thank you for returning. I'm very happy to return. Been looking forward to it, actually. Yes. Uh, listeners should recognize Sean from previous bonus episode, which focused on his passion for the Monster Squad, which led to Sean's participation in the documentary Wolfman's Got Nards. Yep. I'm, I, I wouldn't call myself the number one Monster Squad fan, but I'm definitely probably in the top 10. I, I, would, I would say so. And anyone that would uh, follow you on, what, I only wrote down the podcast, but what is your social media handle? Let's see. Uh, on uh, Twitter, I'm Sean Robert. Um, just all spelled out. Yes. Um, Instagram, I'm still Smurfrec. That's that's right. An old weird handle I had that I just haven't I just haven't cleared out. That's pretty much it. That's that's most of the social that I do. Okay, perfect. And people should follow along because you post great photos of different memorabilia and things that you get. Um, what was something recently that you got? This Monster Squad. Probably one of the holy grails I've been seeking out, which is a, a production script. They're kind of hard to come by because honestly, most of the actors threw them away. Even even um, I've I've been friendly with the director uh, Fred Decker. I don't think this is breaking his confidence or anything, but he kind of confided in me a while ago that he he doesn't have a copy of the script. Oh wow! And he ne he needed it for something that he was doing, and so I, I actually provided him with like three different versions of the <laughs> script, which is funny because I had like three different uh, PDFs that I've collected over the years. Um, but I finally, I've, I've always wanted like an actual tangible script that was like there on set and, and whatever. And um, one of the actors is uh, a little bit on hard times lately. Um, Robbie Kiger, who uh, played Patrick in the movie, uh, he actually reached out to me to sell me his copy. He stumbled across it and he was like, look, I got to get this out of my house before I do something destructive to it. Wow. <laughs> so that was pretty crazy and amazing and i'm still kind of obsessing over it it's got like um it's because like you can get copies of the script online if you're savvy you can probably seek out a pdf but most of those are from before production and the the one i have it actually has like all those additional pages that are like in blue blue paper or whatever that they oh the colored the, pages yeah yeah change the script at the last moment or whatever and it's got like he he had like um highlighted all of his parts and then like rewritten some of the <laughs> the dialogue and added dialogue. It's a one-of-a-kind gem of a piece that I'm just still kind of flabbergasted that I came across. Were any of the additions that he put in there actually things that made it to film? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, there's the whole like uh, back and forth when they first kind of like leave the school at the beginning where they're talking about whether Wolfman wears pants <laughs> or, or whatever. And there, it, it's funny because it kind of starts on um, Sean's perspective, like what he's saying. Let's, they they kind of wanted to do like an in-media res thing where they were just like breaking into the conversation. But it didn't quite make sense, you know, like without Patrick saying something first. So I, I don't know if he came up with that or if it's something that Fred asked him to say or whatever, and he wrote it in there. But yeah, that, that definitely, I think, definitely made it into the film. So that's amazing. Uh, Sean is also one third of the Cult Film Club podcast. Uh, would you mind explaining the format of your podcast? Yeah, basically, it's a revolving show where we all, uh, me and my uh, two co-hosts, my wife and my um, friend Paxton, we all take turns picking a cult movie that we just absolutely love. Something that's just been with us our entire life. And whether or not our other two co-hosts love it or not, you know, we, we want to make sure that somebody that is um, talking about the movie absolutely just adores it so that we can have a lot of fun talking about it. We've been doing it for almost a decade now, wow. semi-monthly. Yeah, it's just a bunch of crazy cult films. A lot of them tend to be from the 80s because that's when we grew up and we're introduced to a bunch of stuff, uh, video store stuff. I try to like broaden like broaden us out a little bit and pick some stuff from the 70s and, and earlier. And uh, my wife always tends to pick stuff a little bit more like in the 90s. I don't know. We kind of try <laughs> to kind of hit everything. Yeah, there's a good variety. I just listened to uh, Breakin' and Breakin' 2 today. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was great. That, that was a fun one. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I mean, the one where I learned my co-host was was actually in a breakdance competition. Yes. <laughs> and a showbiz pizza after hours when it turned into a teen club and my head exploded when he told me that. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. Oh, excellent. Well, that brings us to new releases where we shout out our current faves uh, and we begin usually with anything in print. Is there anything that you've been currently enjoying? Yeah, there's been stuff I've been picking up and buying but I haven't really dug too deeply into. I just haven't had a lot of time to read Sure. Actually, just sit down and read. <laughs> but I, I've been, uh, what, there was a, a book that uh, Anthony Bourdain, uh, it's like, I guess it's like his post, uh, his like his last hmm. book that he worked on or whatever with um, with one of his co-writers or whatever is sort of like a, a tour around the world of his favorite places to eat and stop at in a bunch of different countries. And I kind of read through that. It's, it's more of like a travel guide, but but it was interesting. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, Bourdain's work and it was just kind of nice to, to get uh, one last kind of glimpse at his voice. Yeah. Did you watch that new documentary? Uh, I haven't yet. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Was it a uh, Roadrunner? Yeah. I'm, I'm a little concerned. I've heard some stuff about yeah. kind of behind the scenes, the stuff that the director was doing to kind of, I don't know, manipulate. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard too. I, I haven't um, watched it yet either. I'm very wary with, with documentaries because I just, I got burnt. Like I used to be like all in on Michael Moore. Oh, yes. in the 90s and yeah. then I kind of started finding out some of his, his tricks and some of the kind of the underhanded things he was doing and it's like he's he's his heart's in the right place but the way he goes about it is kind of er, yeah so but yeah so that I've been I've been I want to watch Red Runner I'm just kind of concerned yeah totally I mean that's kind of the great thing about Wolfman's Got Nards is that it's about people passionately loving something mm -hmm. so that kind of documentary I, is great. That's all I really want in my life. I just want uh, celebratory things and people to have things that bring them joy. That's like, totally. you know, and so for me, also loving Monster Squad made that film so fun to watch. Yeah. The one thing that was really cool about what Henry and I, I think we talked about this probably last time, but Henry and Andre just did a really good job of capturing that love mm -hmm. of, of cinema so well that 
even if you're not a fan of the Monster Squad, you can take that movie and plop it on top of whatever movie it is that you have watched 200 times yeah. or, you know, and have the same experience. Um, so it's it's really kind of interesting how they kind of zeroed in on that, yeah. that aspect. That's true. That's a great, that's a great point. Uh, I just have one, one book um, right now, and I feel you on the not reading a ton. Uh, it seems like the last books that I've been getting into are just art books, pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. But I have, it's, uh, I'm very into the band Coil, and okay. uh, they're not around anymore. But this is a book that my wife got me called The Universe is a Haunted House, and it's a collection of the correspondence between the two main bandmates. Um, and it's how they came up with lyrics, songs, artwork, emblems. Um, just how they met and wrote to each other. There's a picture of one of the one of the two directed music videos, and there's a picture of him next to Hanson when they're like <laughs> little kids. And to see the guy that had an album called The Anal Staircase next to, to the, <laughs> this Hanson band is just one of my favorite images ever. Um, and it's awesome. it's just cool that like they put together this this huge tome of this thing that mm. as a kid, you know, when you're into a band, like you don't ever think you're going to get to know any of that or see any of that especially if it's a strange esoteric you know mm -hmm. british band uh so it's it's really awesome the companies that are putting these types of things together because to get to hold that in my hand and see like what it would really was like because i was imagining all these other fantastical things these musicians were up to and i was pretty right on some of it but some of it uh <laughs> you know is totally different so that's that's what i'm into that's uh for the five percent of people that no that's probably not even five percent that listen but anyway i love coil which that's brings cool. us to music well, yeah. oh you got another book well no uh, not another book i was just gonna say that reminds me of my best friend uh kevin he had kept all his correspondence with one of his friends through middle school and high school where they had just wrote notes back to each other in that's classes so cool. yeah and he had like a huge you know binder of that and like to think of like something like that for a pop culture thing like that is that is amazing that that a still exists and b that somebody was able to compile that or you know convince them to share that that's really awesome yeah it's it's pretty pretty awesome i, I mean I, it's very awesome actually i love it and even when it gets to the part where uh you know they've both passed on but there's like newspaper clippings and stuff just stuff that i wouldn't have seen being in oregon mm. um and then you know being in england uh that was very emotional I, yeah. I was just, you know, because when you realize that your heroes aren't always going to be around, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's 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 a pretty it's a, it's a big bummer. Yeah, for sure. But now we can talk about music. Anything musically that's striking your fancy? I'm going to guess Baby Sharks since you have two kids. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my my daughter's been forcing me. I, I say forcing um, right now. <laughs> It, it used to be something I loved, but she's forcing me to listen to the soundtrack to A Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, that's right. On repeat constantly. Oh um, my gosh. Every once in a while she'll slip and she's got two obsessions now. It's Nightmare Before Christmas and it's um, Pixar's Luca. Oh. So every day when we get home from, I pick her up uh, from when I get home from work, uh, we watch Luca and in the car ride home, it's, it's a toss up between whether she wants Halloween songs or whether she wants Luca. That's great. Uh, um, are any plans on taking her to Oogie Boogie's Bash in Disneyland? Oh, I, I, I would love to take her. That's just, you know, we're, we're thinking about the logistics of A, going to Disneyland with yeah. with her. <laughs> She's We're, we're kind of like training her. We have like small amusement parks out here. There's a place called Dutch Wonderland in Pennsylvania that we go up to. Cool. And it's like, she's pretty decent at <laughs> dealing with a lot of the stuff. But like, I've been to 
Disney World a lot, and I I can only imagine um a taking a trip across the country with her, then going to <laughs> Disneyland. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds it sounds really scary. Yeah, we took our, our daughter when she was about four and a half, and she couldn't quite stay up late enough for like fireworks and things. Um, and now that she's seven, we'll ask her, and she remembers about half of it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish we'd made it just a little bit longer, but yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just ugh, want to, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be yeah, for... magical and very difficult at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, music for me, though, that yeah, stuff, I've, I've for some reason, um, I, I, I never thought this was going to happen. I'm, I'm kind of uh, a nostalgia guy for the 80s for, for when I grew up on yeah, my same. website. Brandon, the 80s is all about that junk. But I, I never thought I was going to get nostalgic for the 90s. Like I just I like I felt like I it just I didn't understand how it could happen like to get nostalgic for my teen years but it's creeping in lately okay and mostly in music I just really want to go back and dive into a bunch of the stuff that I was into in high school like what 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 brand of we're the same age so what what brand of music were you into in the 90s so I was growing up in Atlanta so I was very heavily influenced by listening to uh, 99x in Atlanta which was their alternative station and it was a lot of like 311 and Collective oh, Soul, oh yeah, the Gin Blossoms, a lot, a lot of the big popular stuff. But sure. I took a deep dive into Ween, and I've been a pretty big fan of Ween for years and years. And they broke up a while ago, but they kind of got back together. I don't know. So I haven't really been listening to a lot of it. So it's it's been almost a decade. So I kind of just started diving back into Ween and putting it in my, my regular rotation whenever I can. Nice. So yeah, so a lot of that stuff, a lot of the really early stuff where it was just the two dudes, Mickey and Aaron with like a a four track recorder and like a guitar and a drum machine. Yeah. So it's the really, the really weird stuff. Nice. I, uh, I never got out of the stuff from the nineties. Like my teenage year music just stuck with me. In fact, behind me is, is Blu-rays and DVDs and movies. And in front of me is a rack of like I, between three and 6,000 CDs. I never mm-hmm. got rid of them. And so, so I, yeah, I, I get it. I don't think it's nostalgic for me because it just never left. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to have like an iPod that had just gigs, oh, just gigs yeah. of stuff on it. But lately, it's just been, you know, hopefully it's, I just hope it's on Spotify when I yeah. want to listen to it. Um, But yeah, it's, I don't know, like, I, I go through phases, like I, when I got out of high school, I kind of took a deep dive into punk, and just kind of focused on that for a long time. And then it was glam. And um, I don't know. Yeah, so I like, I kind of get like, weirdly laser focused on something and like stuff just kind of like melts into the background that I used to listen to and mm-hmm. I like when I was a kid there was like this weird four-year period where the only thing I listened to was Metallica <laughs> like from like the age of 10 to 14 oh, it was just Metallica you, me- you mentioned that on the break-in episode that oh, you did, said, okay, yeah, yeah yeah you talk about you it's, it's I had never heard that and so you're like I after this period it was Metallica and then there was no more break-in and I was like yeah, oh wow okay <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the thing that killed your parachute pants. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's great. For me, music, I recently I just so there's a band called Tough Turf and they do the the theme for VHS. And they have a new album called Brand New Ways to Be Cruel. But they also have two other albums, Hunger and Haunt and Night Finds You. They're all great. Um the theme is the song It's Never Easy, featuring Saxman Tim Capello from the Lost Boys. And I just love the sound. I don't know. It's just some 
Some describe it as no wave. I think it has some sort of new wave. It's all synth and drum machines. And there's something just sound, it sounds like you would dance in the dark to it, basically. Mm -hmm. Not even in a gothic way, but just like, it just feels like 80s, like there's a fog machine and there's some neon somewhere. And I just, I absolutely love it. So I would just want to plug Tough Turf for anyone listening, uh, which takes us to games. I don't know, do you play any games? I don't, but I did just order the um, arcade one up uh, X-Men four player. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was like the last big video game I think that I was into. Uh, I'm, I am so, it's Galaga and that X-Men game. I, gotcha. I'm so not a gamer. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. That's, that's my voice department. Yeah. I don't have anything that I'm currently into. I'm just uh, just waiting for new stuff to come out. So nothing to report there. Which brings us to television. Anything in the TV realm that you've been watching? Nah, kind of. I mean, I've been watching more YouTube videos lately than I've been watching TV. Um, okay. But I don't know, I've been I've been catching up. I'm definitely been bitten by the um the Marvel Cinematic Universe bug. So I've been kind of watching all the stuff that Disney Plus has been putting out, um, like Loki and things like that. Yeah, Loki, Falcon, and Winter Soldier, all that. Um, oh, the, just the purple guy. What, who's the purple guy? Paul Bettany. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wanda Vision, the yeah, right. Vision guy. Yep. Yeah, TV again, mostly TV that comes on when uh, our daughter usually basically takes over the television sure. for most of the day. But when we do kind of watch stuff, we've been watching comfort stuff. So like with my wife, it's like she'll throw on episodes of Full House and we'll kind of just marathon through like three hours of Full House or something like that. Or I'll do Family Ties. Nice. Yeah, just just something so that we can just keep everything positive and fun. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. We oftentimes just throw something on it in the evening when we're doing emails and things. Uh, lately, it's been the new brand new cherry flavor, I think is what it's called on Netflix. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. We're only three episodes in, but it's got witches and that's all we need for the transition into fall right now. We're like okay. chomping at the bit. We've been to the craft store buying Halloween stuff already. It's just, uh, we're done. We're done summer. We're ready to move, move into fall, please. <laughs> yeah, which brings us to movies. Uh, anything in the movies realm? Sounds like you've been uh, bereft of the TV time, what with the little one taking over. But anything, anything you've been watching lately? Yeah, there's there's been a few things. So with uh with Cult Film Club, we're actually launching a sub show um, at the end of the month. It's gonna be a um, a seasonal thing for the Halloween season, so like through September and October. So I've been, uh, it's uh, me and Paxton from the Cult Film Club, and we have another friend, uh, Michael May, who was the writer on uh, Dark Horse's Kill All Monsters, like Kaiju oh, yeah. uh, book. Basically, we wanted to do a show that focuses on um, classic, the classic era of horror. So like the turn of the 19th century up to like the 70s. Like I think our cutoff is like 75. And so it's like Hammer and AIP and Universal and Amicus, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so we've been watching decent amount um we're gonna try to do uh 10 episodes a year and uh so i've been like catching some very weird stuff um yeah that, you said uh, aip so yeah <laughs> so we, we want to do classic stuff we're very influenced off of i don't know if you've ever heard of the um there's a series of uh, kids books that used to be in school libraries called uh, the crestwood house no oh. these were amazing books it was this small publishing company out of like indianapolis and they managed to get books like pretty much in libraries across the United States. And it started with a series of like 20 books about classic horror movies. So they'd have like a book about the Wolfman, but it would cover like Werewolf of London and Curse of the Werewolf. It would just try to cover everything up to that point, a lot of the black and white stuff. And they were written for kids. 
some of them were more just like kind of like blow by blows of the movie. Um, some of them went into a lot of like the behind the scenes and the special effects and makeup and stuff like that. It's a very cool set of books. They're kind of rare and hard to find now because they're basically only aimed at school libraries. So, gotcha. you know, they, they get destroyed or whatever. So, but we're kind of going for that vibe. And when we're uh, doing that, we're kind of doing what the cult film club does where we're all kind of take, we're taking turns, the three of us uh, picking movies. We're trying, like I said, doing like nine episodes a season. So we're going to do like three triptychs and we pick a theme. And so like for our first theme, we picked werewolves. But what's kind of fun is that we're digging a little deeper, I would say, than like normal like werewolf stuff, I guess. I guess maybe the werewolves one's actually probably the most normal of the the sets that we've done or whatever. We've recorded everything. We got it all ready to go. Oh, wow. I've just been really pleased with what we've been picking because it's either movies that I haven't seen before or it's ones that are like weird takes on horror yeah, subjects. I love that. So we've been getting into some of the weirder stuff. Vampires, you know, like we didn't touch the Bela Lugosi Dracula or the, you know, the hammer Peter Cushing stuff. The stuff that we ended up picking was very kind of weird and out of the box uh, for vampires. So. And when is that going to air? Because I'm currently working on my 31 and 31 for October and I need some vampire movies. Oh, gotcha. Well, we're going to start the podcast drops on August 30th, I Ah, believe is our introductory episode. Yeah. And I'm sorry, what was the title? Oh, it's going to be called The Crestwood House. So we Crestwood went ahead and stole, <laughs> and stole that from the book series. But it's going to be on the Cult Film Club theme. It's going to be like a sub show. We decided we kind of wanted to spread out and do like a like a new, like a podcast network, I guess. But uh, yeah, so that, that'll start to basically, the first one's an introductory episode where we just kind of talk about it. And then like, so I think it's September 1st or September 2nd, our first of the, the actual movie-centered episodes drops. And it'll go through Halloween. But because of that, again, I've been watching some weird stuff and- in particular, there's a movie, Frankenstein versus Baragnon, I think is, uh, there's another, I think it's also called Frankenstein Conquers the World. It's basically a kaiju take on Frankenstein, <laughs> where there's a giant Frankenstein that fights. Whoa. Like a, like a giant monster. And it's, I had, I had never heard of it. And mm. it is, it is insane and fun. And that's, that's been one of the big ones that I've seen. Wow, I got to see that. I've also kind of been digging into the, um, in, in my spare time, I guess there's like a subgenre of like mystical samurai movies from the 80s, like yeah. Ninja 3, yeah, uh, stuff like that, where the, the, the ghost of a samurai or whatever. I, I, I caught up with Charles oh. Band's Ghost Warrior. What's the uh, Christmas one? Bloodbeat. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bloodbeat. Yeah, I saw that last year, the end yeah. of last year. Crazy. But yeah, I just I just caught up with uh, Ghost Warrior, I think is what it's called, which is like a it's basically like Iceman where there's a samurai that's oh, frozen. Yep. Yeah. And then gets thought out in like modern day L.A. or whatever. It's, yeah, that's that's interesting. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I got three Space Sweepers this is one that I revisited because that's such a good time watching it the first time. It's a South Korean space Western that's on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen that one, Mm-mm. but if uh, if anyone listening, if you like science fiction, Get into Space Sweepers. It's it's a super fun adventure. It's I think I believe it's South Korea's like biggest science fiction like film. Very fun dynamics of the characters. The robots are pretty awesome. Very crazy effects. Highly recommend it. Good heart in there. There's some good good laughs. Uh, the opposite of that is The Green Knight, which I just watched. Okay, I've, yeah, I've heard a lot about that. Yeah, A24. I, I mean. It's one of those movies that just seems polarizing. Like people are like, it's not what I wanted it to be. And other people are like, it's exactly <laughs> what I wanted it to be. And I'm somewhere in the middle. I think it's really well made. It's very, I mean, 
I can't fault it for what it is. And, mm-hmm. and I don't want to judge it for what it's not. I'd say if you're curious from the trailer, definitely watch it. I mean, it's uh, you could do far worse. Great performances, good effects, an interesting tale. And then Unthinkable, which I mentioned on the last episode, but I wanted to mention it again in case somebody's listening for the first time. It's a, it's a Swedish film. It starts off like a family drama and then descends into just this crazy action extravaganza with like hmm. there's some traps like home alone style but with a chainsaw there's like so many helicopter <laughs> crashes i can't even keep track of it uh it's just really huge and because it's not in english i feel like it's really going to be underseen and overlooked and i think it deserves better so the unthinkable uh, it's out now streaming it's got terrible key art which would make you just skip it but it's um I'd say at least watch the trailer because I saw it and was like, well, I'm pressing play on this. And I was, I was not disappointed. I think it's really well made. Do you have any other movies? I think the only other thing that kind of pops up is I, I watched the uh, Val Kilmer documentary. Val. Oh God. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's great. And it's, I was taken aback by how personal it was. Yes. Like I was, I was expecting something, but I wasn't expecting that, I guess. It was, oh, his, it was... his son reading it because... I, mean, I didn't even realize it first. Like I've, I've even heard him speak with the um, the breathing tube and everything yeah. recently before I saw it. So I knew where he was at, but I heard him narrating and I was like, this is, wow. How did they, did he, did he narrate this? Like, did he plan to do this like a long time ago or whatever? And then, and then they shared the scenes with his son and I was like, oh, wow, that yeah. is crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, the fact he kept all that footage, just like we were talking about with the coil book earlier, it's mm-hmm. just like, what a treasure trove to be able to compile all of that to cover his life and he's someone that like i mean they say that there's some some eccentricities in some of his um ongoings on sets but i've heard from people that have worked with him that he's a quite a gentleman so i know i think it's cool that they tell both sides there you know they're not like he's a perfect Mm -hmm. person or whatever but i think it's a movie that like this could easily be a series because there's like yes yeah <laughs> when they were covering like tombstone in it like i wanted them to go a little bit more in depth and maybe talk about the goings on behind that because that that whole movie is crazy and that the fact that it even got made is pretty insane and i was really curious to see his take on that but yeah it's uh just the, the fact that he just videotaped on like every <laughs> basically on the set of every film that he was on is just crazy yeah you could do a whole series just on the isle of dr moreau mm. Yeah, yeah, that again, another movie that's like, how did that, how did that even finish? <laughs> yeah, I mean, with the the original director just being fired and staying on set in makeup as one of the extras, it's just insanity. Exactly. The, the, just that there's scenes where it's Brando, but it's not Brando. It's just yes. some dude they hired. <laughs> that is crazy. It's... I mean, I've heard enough crazy stories about Brando not working with pants as it is. Like, right. Oh, um, I was a little bummed. And it's it's not anything. This is just totally. This is all me. This isn't like anything that's wrong with the movie or whatever. Yeah. I was a little bummed um, with his perspective on like his legacy. Yeah. And kind of like how that involves fans. And I felt like he was maybe being a little like tactful about how like you know I think it was pretty clear he does not like doing signings and yeah that's pretty clear that that kind of stuff and it's like i get it i totally get that like i've been to enough conventions and seen enough actors and seen enough actors that are like jerks like ugh, super yeah. turbo jerks yeah but like i get it if you don't want to be there don't be there and i don't know whatever it's it's it is what it is but as a part of that too 
there's kind of like how he looks at some of his films and some of like the stuff that he didn't get a chance to do. And it's one of those things where I wish he could see his movies the way that I see some of his movies. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Like he he totally skipped over Real Genius. Yes, this, which is, I was so shocked. Yeah, it's such a it's such a big pivotal, and it's like that's such a weird movie as it is. Like that movie is not on Blu-ray, right? I I don't understand why that movie is sort of becoming a lost film. It makes no sense to me. It was mm-hmm. so ubiquitous in the '80s. I mean, Comedy Central played it all the time. Yeah, um, it's so weird. But uh, yeah, the fact that he he only mentions it in passing for a second, just because they they were on the set of another film where like there was a, a movie ad for it. Mm-hmm. But like how he kind of like thinks that, like top secret is trash basically and right and it was just like oh i mean granted it's i you know i there's other zucker brother films that i love more but it's just it's just unfortunate because he feels like he hasn't been able to make that legacy film and he really was hoping that this mark twain project was going to be the legacy that he left his big uh, you know american classic and it's like i think he's already made those he just doesn't he can't see it he's too Agreed. close or yeah i totally that, that agree. was a little bit of a bummer but still fascinating yeah. Oh, endlessly. And I think there'll be more. I think I get a feeling like they're not finished. Mm. So, all right. That brings us to this episode's late return, which is The Seventh Curse from 1986. Was this a first time watch for you? This was a first time watch for me. And oh, it was a movie that I had never heard of before. And... Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Well, the synopsis is a young heroic cop in the jungle of Thailand attempts to rescue a beautiful girl from being sacrificed to the worm tribe. That's uh, accurate. Yeah, that's part of the movie, for sure. <laughs> it's directed by Ngai Choi Lam. I'm murdering that name. He's the director of Story of Ricky. Have you seen Story of Ricky-o? Heard of it, haven't seen it. Okay, this primed you for that then, because okay. it's crazier than this, if you can believe. Wow, okay. Yeah, and this uh, this film stars Chow Yun-Fat, Chin Sui-Ho, Dick Wei, Maggie Chung, and Sabelle Hu. It kicks off with a hostage situation, which I always forget is part of the film. And I've seen this like probably 15 times. I love the music in this because it sounds like an Italian post-apocalypse film kind of situation. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it just starts and I'm like, oh, this is this is my speed. This is in my blood. Gotcha. Uh, a reporter assaults someone to pose as the nurse that's sneaking it. It's like... <laughs> There's so much... Okay, I'll just right off the bat say this about this movie. There is no wasted space. There's no fat on this movie. Every single second is something crazier happening. Yeah. And they don't stop to let you soak it in or it just moves. Goes on to the next thing. I agree. I was looking last night when I was watching it. I was going to watch it at 1.5. And I eventually just stopped because I was like, there's... It's just skipping stuff. Like I can't, <laughs> I need all these moments to happen because the whole time I, yeah, I just never get used to it. Same thing with Story of Ricky or Ricky O. You watch it and you're just like, well, that's the craziest. Oh no, wait, this is the craziest. Oh no. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he he's he's really a, a fantastic director. He did another movie called The Cat, which is another st- very interesting. And he's the type of filmmaker I love because they're making the boldest choices they can make. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that 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 makes for when it's all together, a very, very fun watch. Yeah. There's also this this weird thing where there's like, you can see the budget. Yeah. Like on the low end sometimes, which is just fine. But I mean, you can definitely see some wires when they're doing wire work with some of the Kung Fu. Yeah. And, you know, you can see like uh, temple steps, like the, uh, I don't know, it's like some kind of laminate that comes off when they drive over the temple steps where it's like, okay, that's definitely not stone. Yeah. Um, 
But on the same, like on, on the opposite spectrum, there are set pieces in this that are insane yeah. and incredible. And it's like, so it's, it's it, it justifies logic. It's like every time you think it's going to be one kind of a movie, it can be another kind of a movie at the exact same time. Yes. Just the beginning of this, which I always forget about and we'll get to why, uh, the SWAT moves are excellent mm-hmm. where they're they're like flying in on ropes from below and above the building. Yep. And I'm like, I should remember this huge action piece that starts the movie off, but <laughs> I never do. It's just it was probably because they just move on to a completely different genre and yes. set of stories. And... Oh my gosh. Then the, the main guy after the sequence gets attacked by the guy they call the dragon, who was in his house <laughs> <laughs> and tells him, Come to Thailand. It's and then his veins get all weird, and we haven't been explained a single thing is, yet. <laughs> I love the fact that all of this stuff is a preamble for the longest flashback. Exactly. That's the in next thing I history. Have. This flashback is so long, I forget it's a flashback. I just yep. think I'm watching the movie. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Uh, Chow Yun Fat comes in, and he's just the coolest guy. <laughs> <laughs> My Chow Yun Fat is now the Chow Yun Fat who smokes a pipe and knows everything about witchcraft. Oh yes, same. It uh, used to be the guy with you know gun gun flu, guns. but no, not now. No, not now it's this guy. We learned that the doctor guy is under a blood spell, um, and he's not a doctor; he's a cop. But I keep calling him a doctor. I, th- I think he's both. I think he's a cop he, and a doctor. Okay, so, it's confusing. For people, if you need any kind of frame of reference, Buckaroo Banzai. Yes, is like the American version of this, but very much toned down. And if you thought Buckaroo Banzai was crazy, yes, <laughs> you haven't seen a crazy movie yet. No, it's so true. And in the flashback, there's a, a guy that that's warning him of witchcraft who looks a lot like Mark Maron looks now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... thinking the exact same thing. I was like, if, <laughs> if for some reason this got remade now and they did not cast Mark Maron as the professor. Yeah, if they would Somebody's have not doing their job. And then there's like, a Ghostbuster style of effect where there's the altar and there's all this like, I don't know, smoke or energy shooting out the top of the pyramid thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like such a Ghostbuster sky effect that I just was like, I love this. There's some crazy, again, this is in one of those circumstances where there's some crazy visual stuff going on that's like speaks of maybe a higher budget because everything in the top portion of that scene is in reverse and everything on the bottom portion of that scene is moving in normal directions because all the smoke and fire is going in reverse which makes it look so crazy yes it's so nuts and then we get to the part of why i forget anything that's happened up until this point has happened (laughs) where a man tries to stop the head witch of the worm tribe from killing a girl and the head tribe guy unleashes a murderous alien baby (laughs) that kills the man burrows through his body and explodes out of his stomach yes if you can imagine Belial from Basket Case. Yes. Mixed with the Living Dagger from the uh, 90s Shadow movie. Oh, wow. Mixed with a face hugger. Yeah. <laughs> or like a, a very early born alien all over the place. Yeah. Amazing. And it's, it does not, if, when I say that this happens, I don't mean someone describes it off screen. I mean, it's oh, yeah, no. all on the screen. <laughs> it's 100% on the screen. And can we mention the fact that the sorcerer that does this? is like the Asian equivalent of Gene Simmons's character from Never Too Young to, Too Die. Young to Die. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, yes. High-pitched woman-like voice, kind of cross-dressery. Yeah. I mean, but it, very mean. 
Very mean. Very, very mean. Then the elder is called from its grave, and it's straight up just a puppet skeleton. Yep. With glowing eyeballs. And I love every <laughs> second of this thing chewing on their clothes. And If you ever watched Tales from the Crypt and hoped that the opening and closing scenes with the Crypt Keeper were a full episode. Yes. This yes. is that. It is that. It's so awesome. It eats a dude and then instantly <laughs> becomes a xenomorph. Yeah, a xenomorph with wings, which is great. Oh my god! Yeah, so and this like, is the this is the part where I wrote. This took so long, I forgot. This is the flashback. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh man! And then we see he gets the blood curse, but at least he doesn't get the other guy's maggot worm death, which is no. Awful. Yeah, the maggot worm death is pretty bad. It's so gross. It's like it's like this director, like he distilled everything that was gross and crazy about like Steven Spielberg movies, like or produced movies like Poltergeist, like the face tearing scene. Yes. In the mirror. And like he just like, I want this wall to wall. Like, why is this only in four right. seconds of this movie? No, no, no. Why are there parts where everywhere. people talk in movies? Like right. <laughs> <laughs> then we get the bloody boob lady moment, which uh, I mean, wow. I was not expecting <laughs> I was not expecting her to cut out a <laughs> yeah an orb. I don't even know what to call it. Yeah, like it, like a like an orb from in her bosom yep. that is both a cure but also not a cure for a curse. It is right. like a postponement for a curse. It's like a you have twelve month. It's it's like um when your loans for college are <laughs> held off for one year. Exactly. <laughs> You have a deferment. Here's yes. your curse deferment. <laughs> your curse deferment. Hold on. I need to carve it out of my boob. <laughs> Just one second. And I then you're going to need second. to swallow this hole. If you can. Yeah, I, was, I thought for a second she was going to cut off her entire breast or something. And I was like, no, no, no. There's just a magical thing inside there, which, okay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then we get the ambush fight in Thailand, which, again, then I was like, oh, right. It's not just a horror movie. There's also a lot of kung fu happening. Yep. Uh, and then it goes right to crazy jungle traps, which again, every time I'm not prepared for, I'm like, oh, right, crazy spike jungle traps. <laughs> like, it's hard to keep track of everything that's happening in this. Of all that happens, and then someone gets drawn and quartered. Yes. <laughs> by a trap. It's so crazy. Oh, and then they charge into a camp in a Jeep, and I, I swear at least three people die in this. Yeah, I know, right? It is definitely not safe. There's grenades, there's shotgun blasts. And then the next scene, the sorcerer is just juicing children. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard that they had stole like a hundred children from a trap, I was like, okay, now we're gonna save the we're not saving the children. We're not we're not only not saving them, two of them we're gonna watch get put between <laughs> yeah, we're, two yeah, bricks we're gonna watch... and juiced. <laughs> like kid smoothies. So crazy. <laughs> Oh man, there, there's some more curses. Uh, yeah. mu the mutant baby tries to kill Chow Yun Fat. That doesn't go well for the mutant baby. No, we totally uh, passed over that there's an Elizabeth Bathory moment where <laughs> the crazy reporter sidekick gets uh, also cursed and um, taken over. Yes. And the only, way, the only way to cure her is to apparently murder and kill every black creature they can find. Goats, <laughs> eagles. Yes. <laughs> There's like there's like six that they mentioned so that they can get the blood from those so that she can take a bath in them and then she'll be saved from her curse. So yeah, and just so people listening, if you haven't seen the film, this movie is not long. All no, of these things happen at breakneck speed. It is like eighty minutes long. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, like I said, no fat. There's no fat. No, just Chow Yun fat. 
Yes, just no in this film. But he's he's smoking a pipe for the most part. Uh, <laughs> pretty much every scene he has, even yeah. with the bazooka. Then we get the crazy rope giant Buddha fight, which is yes. shot so <clears throat> well. It's mm-hmm. like it belongs in like I don't know any any montage that you're seeing of like great kung fu like acrobatic fights. They're on a giant Buddha, and the monks are just cascading around. It's it's mm-hmm. a really incredible fight sequence. There, there was a time when I thought, when I first saw the first Transporter movie and I was like, oh my God, action movies are never going to top what I just saw in the Transporter. And this was like, okay, no, no, no. This is the movie now. This <laughs> right. is what people have to, over, to overcome to make something that's going to wow me now. Because, And that's what I'm talking about. The set piece, there was the giant Buddha statue that was like literally yeah. 40, 50 feet tall. I mean, it's even if they make it out of paper mache, that's like... <laughs> How long did that take to build that set? Yeah. Well, then they cut its eyes out and the head chases them like Indiana Jones yeah, style. It's like, it's like they, they they stole the Shakara stones, but they needed to eat them. And <laughs> Yes. It's so crazy. And then I was like, well, clearly that's the end of the film, right? Nope. <laughs> nope. We get the final showdown with the Xenomorph and the baby demon battles the Xenomorph yeah, while it they've, flies. They've recruited the baby demon. <laughs> Which is like, how is this possible? Well, guess what? We're not going to explain it. So it just happens. Yeah. Holy cow, is this a crazy end sequence? Um, the yeah. transformation part, I mean, the giant fingers on the, so the amount of flying and acrobatics it does. Mm-hmm. And then Chow Yun Fat walks in with a rocket launcher <laughs> and within eight feet of it, shoots it two times. Yeah. If you, if you thought C. Thomas Howell and um, oh, yeah. uh, Red Dawn was cool. Yeah. Again, move over Chow Yun Fat with a missile launcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's really incredible. And then there's just like sort of a a scene that just kind of ends. So this that's... is this is the crazy part. And this is what I was kind of <laughs> this is what I was digging into for the last hour trying to figure out because it, it's a very abruptly weird scene at the end where it's yes. like they flashback forward well even f- even further. So there, I guess there was actually a couple flashbacks that you didn't realize one of them was a flashback, but right. <laughs> And basically, it's like everyone's dressed up in tuxes. We're in a nice uh, library setting with cognac and some pretty girls. And the just is that this was all a story that they just told this group of people. And the, I, I don't think this was exactly in the scene that because I, I'm, I'm assuming, did you watch the version on Amazon or do you I, actually I see it on your shelf? Do you have yeah. the Blu-ray? I have. It's a boot. It's a bootleg. Oh, it's I a bootleg. bought okay. it online. I thinking it was a. It was a Blu-ray because they put it in a Blu-ray case, but it's very much um, gotcha. some type uh, of rip of it. But there's there's three cuts, so it depends on. Yeah, that's what I was I was looking into. That there's there's a, there's like a missing scene where they basically tell everyone that this was the story we were going to tell you, and then everyone's like, "Oh my god, we can't wait to hear the next story." And that's when they clink their glasses together, and it's like, "Okay, ready for the sequel." Yeah, which never happened. Which never. <laughs> Apparently, I guess there's a series of books that this yeah, is based on. This, this is, is based on a book. It's based on a book. <laughs> I believe it's the Doctor and Chow Yun Fat's characters that are that are in the book. I don't know if the story includes juicing children and xenomorphs. I'm I'm not sure. I know that there's a two series. There's a series that follows the Chow Yun Fat character, and there's a series that follows the Doctor. And this is like one of the ones where they cross over. So wow, <laughs> it is a, it is quite the crossover for sure. Again, I remember being like, uh, I don't know, I was. I was just getting into movies like I was like heavily getting into movies when I was like 17 mm. and sought out like the killer and hard-boiled and my, like I was having my mind yeah. blown and it's yep. like again Same. I started on the wrong Chow Yun fans <laughs> <laughs> I know imagine then seeing this movie 
I mean, I had a very similar experience when I was young. When I was 10 years old, my sister rented Bad Taste. Yeah. And our video store just happened to have a copy of that. And so I, I saw the, you know, I saw that when it came out. I saw Peter Jackson from the beginning. Yeah, same. And this is what that feels like. Like, this is like, if I had seen this, like, right around the time I saw Dead Alive or something, this would have fit in yeah. so perfectly, but different. Yeah, I mean, I'm so excited for you to see the story of Ricky now, because it's, if you appreciate this director's fantastical way of being, I mean, story of Ricky is, is that, again, and it's, a, it's another mishmash of, like, action and horror and mystical stuff, and, you wow. know, it's a... Uh, I think he's he's vastly undercelebrated. I think lots of people know story of Ricky. Some people know know this film, but it's not. I mean, I you you've just watched it. You, you would think more people would talk about I would, this. I would. I again, I can't believe I have never seen like gifts or right. something. Yeah. In my pop culture travels for the last twenty years online. I know it's eighty six, so it's just I know. like it, man, it's it's a marvel. It's you uh, thought Aliens was good in eighty six. <laughs> you don't know. You don't. Oh man. And I just love how it feels like he was watching a movie and just being watching movies and being like, mm -hmm. I, I could do that. I could, oh, yep. I I could do that, that too. I want that. I want that. He had, a, he had a laundry list. Before Tarantino, there was this guy. And he was <laughs> like, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this. And this is all mine now. Oh, man. oh my God. Yeah. The, uh, the story of Ricky is definitely the, the next thing I'm going to try to seek out because holy crap. Any final thoughts for the seventh curse just that if that's a bootleg uh, blu-ray that you have i'm hoping that soon like vinegar syndrome or someone puts out an official one because that's something that i feel like needs to be in my collection on a wall yeah I would, that, I would love that i have already like i've already texted like four people <laughs> and been like have you heard of this movie if not follow this link and just don't go <laughs> don't do any research just watch this yeah it's, it's the best way to go into it, I think. Because when you get that big action set piece, you're like, I know what this is. And then the movie's mm -hmm. like, no, yeah, you this don't. This is just super cop. <laughs> no. no. No, when the veins get all crazy, you're like, wait, what am I watching? I also, you know, let's, let's, let's just touch on that for again for a second. The whole blood curse is, I thought that that was actually weirdly creative and inventive where as a, as a, um, as a punishment for killing a bunch of his men, the sorcerer rips out the bullets from those men yes. and makes the doctor eat them so that one by one they'll pop out of him <laughs> and when the seventh one pops out he dies that is a crazy and i like i've never thought of anything even remotely close to that i've never seen anything like that it's no like, just that little small thing and again I, I know we've talked about how crazy it is and how it's just it never stops there's literally set pieces in this that flashback like flash across the screen for maybe two seconds a second and a half that are like there's there's a sequence where they're bringing the um the old one the 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 skeleton creature oh, yeah. to life and like there's a wall of faces like um stone faces behind him that are all animated it's like people in the walls kind of like yeah. um, day of the dead hands things and it's like if you're not paying attention because if you're paying attention to the skeleton thing you're not seeing the craziness going on behind him yeah it's like I I'd probably had seen it maybe almost eight times, maybe it was around the eighth time, eighth or ninth, that I know it was really close to 10 times that I finally looked at the background and was like, yeah, wait, what it, is that? It, right, If you, it, this, this movie will keep giving. It will just keep yeah. giving you gifts. I so. agree. And I'm so glad you brought up the actual curse because there's so much to pack in about this film that's not long, 
uh, the, the the curse is so inventive because the last bullet is like behind his heart or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's gonna pop through his chest. Most of the time, it's just his shins exploding. And, and exactly, his shins are, are <laughs> like it. I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting that the the one thing that they um, promise but don't deliver on in the movie is where they talk about what would happen if the last bullet goes off and a geyser of all of his blood (laughs) erupt from his body. And I was like, I don't want him to die, but I want to see that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Same. It's like, come on, man. Promise of the premise. Promise of the premise. Right. They should have just had another character that was like, I have the same curse, just so we get to see it once. He's like, mine was just uh, one day before yours. And we're like, all right. Uh, That's a bummer. That's what's going to happen? (laughs) Yeah. excellent well sean thank you so much for returning thank you for watching the seventh curse i really appreciate it thank you for introducing me to it because again this is one that i'm going to be pushing on everybody yes it's great because no one's ever prepared for it (laughs) because you can't be (laughs) you can't oh man uh everyone check out cult film club the podcast where three friends celebrate the movies they love as always i'm dirk marshall and this has been vhs presents new releases and late returns